Hey, thanks for joining us here at the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. There's a lot of great resources there that are free and will help you grow closer to God and help you connect with the church. Right now, let's go to our lead pastor, Chris Figueretti, for this week's message. Well, hello and welcome to Vineyard Online and welcome to week five of the 714 Project Sermon Series. Now, if you're joining us for the first time today, it's not too late for you to get involved. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But this is the last week that we're going to be doing sermons on the 714 Project. It is not the last week of the 714 Project, though, because the 714 Project is a 40-day prayer journey, prayer challenge. We started five weeks ago and we're only on week or on day 28. We've got 12 more days to go, two more weeks until we're done with this thing. And I want to encourage you to keep leaning in and keep doing this. You know, the reason we decided to do this series is because of everything going on in the country. And people have so much anxiety about COVID and fear about that and the societal unrest and the racial tensions and the economy and what's looming there. And we're, we're facing probably one of the most divisive elections of our lifetime. And, and I could go on and on and on. I've got a whole long list of things that seem like they're just coming unglued at the seams in our society. And as I was having conversations with people, the thing that I picked up on over and over again was fear and concern, however you want to, however you want to say that. And uh, as I was praying about what we were supposed to talk about, I felt like the Lord said very clearly, lead my people to prayer. That prayer was the direction we were supposed to go. Now that wasn't what we had scheduled out, but that is the direction that we have gone in. And I think for really good reasons. God, you know, God doesn't lead us in directions for no reason. And, and I think there are four reasons that God led us in this direction. One was just basically this. Every problem that I mentioned is a God-sized problem. You're not going to fix it. And I'm not going to fix it. Unless God moves and does something, these problems are not going to be solved. We need God to move. And as we've, been, as we've been learning in this series, prayer is the difference between what I can do and what God can do. And we need God to do, don't we? We absolutely do. And so that's one of the reasons. I think another reason God led us in this direction is because of all the anxiety. And, and because prayer is the path to peace. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the promise and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, there is a peace that comes from God that defies logic. It defies circumstances. It defies uh, a cancer diagnosis. It defies all that's going on in our world. It defies COVID. The way we ac access that peace is through prayer and that connected relationship with God. I think the third reason that God wants us to, to, uh, to pray in this season is because he wants us all close. He wants us dialed into his voice because we're going to need him to lead us in the days ahead. You know, there's so much confusion. That's the word, the other word that I keep hearing over and over again is it's just all so confusing and murky. And in seasons like that, we need to hear the voice of God as closely as ever before. 
And I think the fourth reason God called us to do this 40 day prayer challenge is because generally speaking as a society, we're horrible at prayer. We stink. Life is too busy. We're running from here to here to here to here. Uh, we constantly have a phone in our hand or a screen in front of our face. We're constantly being entertained. We're constantly being distracted. And God speaks in a still small voice. And I think he called us to pray at 714 in the morning and 714 in the evening, to, to pray with a prayer partner, to fast, to slow down a little bit. So again, we could get better at this prayer thing. I think this is so vital for where we go from here. Well, we need to recognize God's voice, don't we? And you need to recognize God's voice for the days ahead. Now, if you're new, like I said, it's not too late for you to get involved. You can jump in on the 714 Project, but here's what you need to do. You need to go to our website, vineyardwheeling.com, call up the 714 Project, all five sermons are there, and watch the first one. And it will walk you through what you need to do to get started. There's a book and a journal you'll need to order off Amazon, and uh, when it comes, you can get started. Now, if you started with us, uh, the weekend of August 16th, then on August 17th, which would have been a Monday, you would have started this process. And if you started on August 17th, we are 28 days into this 40-day prayer challenge. 12 days left to go. The last day will be September 25th. That's a Friday, which means the next day, the September, September the 26th, is going to be the day that we break the fast. And that needs to be a celebration. I hope that will be for you. But I want to encourage you to not stop praying. Guys, part of the, part of the, the hope and the, the, the desire for this series is that as we spend 40 days establishing this habit, that we would continue. You know, one of the things I hope to do is hit my knees before I, before I hit my feet, that I would hit my knees in the morning and pray. And before I go to bed, that I would hit my knees and pray. And that is a habit that I want to continue long beyond this prayer challenge. Now, you might be asking, well, why isn't the sermon series going on? And I want to tell you what we're going to be doing for the next couple weekends, because it's going to be really fun and special things. Next Sunday, we are doing what we're calling a Heroes Day, and we're going to have a big celebration uh, at Heritage Port. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, we're just going to be streaming our celebration at Heritage Port, and so uh, that will be at 10 o'clock. But that is um, a hero's day, and what we're doing is we are inviting law enforcement officers from all over the Ohio Valley to come and be honored. And we're going to, our Sunday service is going to be an honoring service for them. We're providing a, a picnic lunch for them, and I encourage you to come on out and be a part of that. And we are also providing a gift for each of them. And people were concerned, isn't that controversial? And, and, and really, it's not. You know, when 80% of the African-American community doesn't want to defund the police, and really nobody else that I know wants to defund the police, it's a small minority of radical people who are calling for that, but the police feel so alone in this time. And they need to know that they are appreciated for keeping our community safe and keeping our community sane. And so that's next Sunday's service. Uh, come to Heritage Port if you can. Watch online if you need to. Then... The weekend after that will be on Saturday, the 26th, 
will be fast break day. That's when we will break our fast, we'll celebrate. And we decided that we're going to get together at 10 a.m. at Heritage Port for a prayer walk. Now, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, is leading a prayer walk in our nation's capital. But so many of us would not be able to go to Washington, D.C. for that prayer prayer march or prayer walk, we decided we're going to do one in Wheeling and we'll stand with Franklin Graham and the hundreds of thousands of Christians that will be in Washington, D.C., but we're going to walk around our city and pray for our community and pray for our country. And again, that will be Saturday the 26th at 10 a.m. Look for more communication on that. Then the following day is Sunday the 27th, and we're going to do a sermon uh, based, based on where we go from here. It's a vision weekend. You know, a lot of people have been asking, you know, the weather's going to be turning soon. What are we going to be doing next? Are we going back into the Capitol? What does that look like? And I'm not going to tell you this weekend. I will tell you that weekend, but I will tell you this. I am so very fired up about what God has given us. I've asked you to pray that God will give us direction, and I believe God has given us direction. And what is coming has the potential to absolutely blow up as far as ministry impact is concerned. I think we're going to see God do great things, and I think He's going to use each and every one of us. And in some respects, the 714 Project has been God preparing us for what is about to come. So that's coming up in two Sundays, so be here for that as well. So this weekend, I want to wrap up the 714 Project. You know, Uh, A few weeks ago, we were with Joshua and the Israelites as they were surrounding Jericho, and God had given them a very non-conventional battle plan, and how sometimes God does that with us as well. He sometimes gives us something to do that doesn't seem to make sense to us at the time, but He makes it clear that's what we're supposed to do, and when we do, God comes through. Uh, And so we talked about that. This week, what I want to talk about is the miracle before that miracle. See, God had led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and Moses was their leader, and he led them into the desert. He gave them the law, and he gave them uh, the the agreements and just everything they needed to be their own people after being in slavery for 400 years. And then he led them to their homeland, the promised land as it is known, or what we know as modern-day Israel. And he led them right up to the edge of it, But they hadn't been there in 400 years. And so Moses sent in 12 spies to see what was in the land. They had heard stories about it, but none of them had ever been there. And so they spy out the land, they come back out, and they say, it's everything our ancestors told us it was. It's amazing. It is truly the land of milk and honey. It is beautiful. It's going to be fantastic, except there's a problem. There are giants in the land. Those people are huge, and there's a lot of them, and there's no way we can take them. And 10 of the 12 spies said, we need to turn around and go back to Egypt. And they turned around, and they headed back out into the desert. And God didn't let them go back to Egypt, but they did end up wandering in the desert for quite a long time, for 40 years. For 40 years, they wandered in the desert. Um, And God said, look, none of you, there are consequences for making a decision like that. See, they made a fear-based decision instead of a faith-based decision. And they ended up wandering in the desert for all those years. And God said, nobody from this generation is going into the promised land. It will be the next generation. And Moses led them through the desert and God didn't leave them alone. He provided for them. He provided food and water and shelter and, and comfort and all those things. 
but he wasn't going to allow them to go into the promised land. Well, after that generation had died off, including Moses, leadership was handed off to Joshua. And Joshua led this new generation to the edge of the promised land, right up to the Jordan River. Now the problem was the Jordan River was at flood stage. There was no getting across the Jordan River at flood stage, and especially not with three million people, which is what he had in tow. It wasn't going to happen. And so the people are like looking around going, what are we gonna do? We're standing at the edge of the Jordan River, but this time of year, we're not getting in. How would we, how would we, ever, how would we ever get across? And then in Joshua chapter three, verse five, and we read this a few weeks ago, but I wanna start here. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. God's gonna do a miracle, Joshua says. God's gonna get us in, you know, but you're gonna have to consecrate yourself. And as I said two weeks ago, consecration is just basically saying, God, you get it all. I, I give all I know of me to all I know of you. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my day. I'm giving you my future. God, you're in charge. That's consecration. And that's something, if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you do that daily. I pray that daily. God, I give you this day. I set my life apart to you today. Have your way. Do your thing in my life. May my life bring you glory. That's a daily prayer for me. But then there are moments, and I believe this was one of those moments, those crossroads where God, maybe it happens in a sermon, or maybe it happens, there's a crossroads in your life where God just speaks extra large and says, you really need to dedicate your life to me. Sometimes we'll call it a rededication. Well, Joshua says, there's a miracle that's about to happen. You're going to see it, but you need to dedicate your life to God right now. And then in verse 6, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. Now, in case you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, the Ark is not a boat, the Ark is a box. The Ark is a box that is covered in gold. It has some angels on top of it. It has some poles that they used to carry it and the priests would carry it. And it was, it had some specific things in it. It had the Ten Commandments, it had uh, Aaron's uh, walking staff. Aaron was Joshua's or Moses's brother, but he was also the first chief priest of Israel. And God had done a miracle with that, that walking stick. And then, and then uh, they also had a jar of manna, which was the bread that God miraculously provided from heaven for the Israelites when they were in the desert. These were all things to remind them of God's presence with them and his provision for them. But more importantly than those things, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God was, right? And so God's presence was there. In fact, they built a a tent, they called it the tabernacle, and it was the center of all their worship and everything surrounded this Ark of the Covenant. And so Joshua says, go get God, not the box isn't God, but that's where God's presence is, and and take him out ahead of everybody. And we're gonna see God do great things. Verse seven, it says, and the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. See this handoff of leadership that has happened to Joshua, God saying, and now I'm going to confirm that you really are my guy. And he says, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water 
go and stand in the water. Now, guys, you need to understand, this is a big deal. The river is at flood stage. I think of Big Wheeling Creek, right? I grew up on Big Wheeling Creek and, and you know, we go and stand in the water, it was no big deal. But when Big Wheeling Creek was at flood stage, if you went and stood in the edge of the water, it would grab you and, and take you out and you'd drown. I mean, it, and that's just a creek. And this is the Jordan River at flood stage. This is a big deal. It's a huge step of faith. If I'm going to step into the water, what's going to happen? Am I and God and the ark and all of that going to get swept down the river? It's kind of like a suicide mission. It kind of reminds me of the scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's one of my favorite scenes in any movie I've ever, ever seen where Indy's dad is, is dying. He, he needs a, uh, he needs whatever it is that Andy's going to get, it has some kind of miraculous power and it's going to heal him. At least that's the hope. And Andy's got directions on how to get there. And he comes through this tunnel and he comes out and, and there's a chasm. And, and there's no way across this chasm. It's too far to jump. It's, it's a for, forever endless pit. You know, if he steps out into it, he's going he's gonna to fall. There's no ropes to swing across or anything like that. And Indy's looking in his book and it says, well, it says there's a lion there and there's a lion there. And uh, it says there's a chasm and there's a chasm. And, and he's pretty sure he's in the right place. And it says you're going to have to take a leap of faith. And his dad, you can, he switches over to his dad, you know, scene, and he, he says, you got to have faith, Indy. And Indy's like, I don't know what to do. And you, I mean, it's a well-acted scene. And you watch as, as Indiana Jones steps out and takes his, a foot out and goes like he's going to fall into the pit and it lands on a bridge that's not there. It's an invisible bridge. It's an optical illusion. And he, he is able to walk across on this invisible bridge. He gets to the other side and he throws some, some gravel out and you can see the bridge kind of appear. It's a, it's a dramatic scene. But I think that's a lot what it's like for these, for these priests who are stepping out into the Jordan River. It's a step of faith, a leap of faith. What's going to happen? Well, Joshua says to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Like, See, the thing that tripped you up, the thing that scared your parents into making a fear-based decision rather than a faith-based decision were these people groups. And I'm going to show you that I am with you and that you don't have to be afraid of them. See, the, the last generation forgot that God was with them. Guys, we are so tempted to do the same thing, aren't we? When we get afraid, we're tempted to forget that God is with us. Let me ask you, what's the thing that scares you? What's the thing that scares you into forgetting that God is with you, into making a fear-based decision instead of a faith-based decision? Whatever it is, God's saying, I'm going to show you that I'm with you, and I'm going to drive those things out, not you. Oh, you'll play your part, but I am with you, and I'm going to make it happen. It's going to be a miracle. Guys, I believe as we pray regularly, as we develop this habit of praying twice a day and connecting with God and slowing down and humbling ourselves and, and fasting even on a somewhat regular basis, our eyes are better able to see that God is with us.
We are better able to hear, our, hear his voice and know what the next move is to do and able to make those steps of faith with greater confidence. That is the power of this 714 project, and that is the power of prayer. It enables you to make faith-based decisions instead of fear-based decisions. Well, in verse 13, it says, And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, Joshua's just showing off at this point. He's calling the play. He's saying, here's what's going to happen. The priests are going to step out. The water's going to stop. They're not going to get washed down the river. Now, this is a huge miracle. I mean, if, if it actually happens, which I'll, you know, a little spoiler, a spoiler alert, it does actually happen. But this is a huge miracle. The, the, the river backs up 20 miles. At, at flood stage, the typical flood stage, flow of the river, that would have been two miles wide and 120 feet high. Three million Israelites witnessed this. Talk about a faith builder. They walked for two miles next to a 120 foot high wall of water. How impressive that must have been. But God is saying, look, this miracle, don't forget this miracle. You can't forget this miracle because I'm about to do another miracle in Jericho, right? You know, God parted the Red Sea 40-some years before for the, their parents, but none of them got to see that. And now he does it again for them here at the Jordan River. See, this miracle before the miracle is part of the journey. It's part of getting to where they're going. It's part of them taking hold of this promised land that had been promised to them by God from long ago. But this step was really designed to build their faith to remind them that God was with them. And here's what I've found. God does the same thing in our lives. He'll ask us to do things that might be outside the ordinary. He'll prompt us to have a conversation. He'll prompt us to do something that we wouldn't ordinarily do or that's outside our comfort zone. And when we're obedient and we step in and do it, God meets us in that and it builds our faith and it prepares us for the next miracle. And turns out that was really, when we look back on the journey, that was the miracle before the miracle. And you know what else God does in these things? He helps us overcome our past mistakes. That's what he's doing for the Israelites. He's giving them the courage and the faith to not make the mistake that their parents made, but to, to overcome the obstacles in their way. And that's what he wants to do in your life too. So let me ask you this. What is your Jordan River? And how is God calling you to step out in faith. How is he calling you to take a risk? How is he calling you to trust him? Maybe it's inviting someone to church that you wouldn't ordinarily feel comfortable inviting to church. Maybe it's somebody you meet at the grocery store who you get, get in a conversation with and they're telling you about how hard life is and you're like, you know what? You need to come to church with me this weekend. Or maybe it's your boss and you're wondering how it's gonna be perceived. Or maybe it's a family member and you're Whatever. Maybe, maybe it's inviting someone to church. Maybe it's offering forgiveness to someone. Maybe there's someone you need to forgive, but you're afraid if you forgive them, it's like letting them off the hook. They haven't asked for forgiveness, and they're never going to ask for forgiveness. But you need to offer forgiveness because God tells you to, and maybe that's your step. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness. 
Maybe you've done somebody very wrong and you don't know how they'll respond if you ask for forgiveness, but you need to walk into that situation and you need to ask. Or maybe you, they don't even know you need to ask for forgiveness. It's a conversation you had with someone and they're not even aware of it. And now you know, and God's put it on your heart, you need to ask them for forgiveness and confess what you've done. Wow, maybe that's your Jordan River. Maybe it's breaking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend because they're not following Jesus. And ultimately, if you keep going down that road, you're going to end up in a place that you don't want to be, but you're afraid of being alone. And that's your Jordan River. Maybe it's paying back somebody for something you've done wrong to them. Maybe you didn't keep your word in a business deal or you weaseled somebody out of some money and you just need to go even if it hurts and you need to pay them back and say, I'm sorry I didn't keep my word or I'm sorry I did you wrong or I'm sorry I told you I'd give you this and now I'm going to give it to you. Or maybe it's, maybe it's tithing. Maybe it's putting God first in your finances. You know, that's always a scary thing to do. When we when we say, God, I can, I'm going to give you the first part of what I make. And I'm going to believe in faith that I can do more with less in your blessing than I can do with all of it without your blessing. And I will tell you from experience, personal experience, and I'll tell you from the experience of countless other Christians, God always comes through in all of these situations. But I will also tell you this. Action doesn't follow miracles. You can't sit on this side of the Jordan River and go, okay, God, you part the river and I'll walk in. He wants you to put your foot in the water and then the miracles follow. See, actions don't follow miracles. Miracles follow action. The priests had to put their feet in the raging river first. And I see this all the time. I see this in churches. I see this in churches that, that just sit and pray and pray and pray and pray that people will meet Jesus, that they'll see revival. And all they do is sit in the basement and pray, but they never go out and actually introduce anybody to Jesus. And then I see churches that pray, but then they go out and actually introduce people to Jesus. They, their people are out sharing their stories. Their people are out inviting their friends. Their people are, are introducing people to Jesus. And when churches pray and take the step of actually inviting people to Jesus, I see God move in powerful supernatural ways. You want to see the power of God at work in a church. Find a church that is stepping out in faith and praying. And when you see those two things together, you will see God move. Guys, here's what I know. This is what I know for you personally. God has a promised land for you. He has a victory in your life. He doesn't want you wandering in the desert. There are rivers to cross, though. There are steps, bold steps to take. There are giants to conquer. And there is a desert that you have to decide you are ready to leave. So, the question is not just what is your Jordan River? What, is, what desert do you need to leave? What desert are you wandering in right now? And what keeps you there? Is it sin? Is it fear? Are you afraid of the giants? Are you afraid of the river? Or is it a, a desert of your own disobedience and you're just spinning your wheels right now? Let me challenge you. Let me encourage you. Let me invite you. Step into the water because God has victory for you. He's got a promised land for you. But you're not going to get there until you choose to leave the desert behind. Now, 
I love what happens next. In Joshua 4, we find Joshua instructing the people to set up a, a memorial to remember this day. In verse 5, it says, Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So that would be 12. And he says, To serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what, does the, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be, be, to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. God's saying to the people of Israel, don't ever forget this and set up ways to remind yourselves what I have done this day. And not just yourself, but your kids and your kids' kids and your kid all the way down through the generations. God had Joshua set up a, memor a memorial. And guys, we're supposed to set up memorials too. As God does things in our lives, as we step out in faith and we see God come through and our faith grows, we gotta write those things down. We need reminders of the miracles that God has done or we will forget. And we need to be able to tell our kids as well. One of the, one of the habits we've been nurturing in this in this 40-day uh, prayer challenge is journaling. And journaling is a fantastic way to chronicle what God has been doing. It's something that you can pass on to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids. And they can read about your spiritual journey and what God has done in your life and through your life. It's a powerful way to memorialize the journey that God has you on. Another way that we build a memorial in our life is to get baptized. Baptism is one of those moments that we can point back to and say, that's when I went public with my faith. That's when, it, that's when it got real for me. I know I was baptized when I was just a little boy in the creek behind my house. And I point to that time and I tell that story often. That was my moment when I made the decision to follow Jesus and to go public with that decision. You know, in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God hung out. In the New Testament, Jesus changed all that. Jesus made it possible for the presence of God not to be, be in a place or in a, in a thing, but in people, in each and every believer. See, up to that point, the presence of God couldn't live in people because people were stained with sin and God was perfect and sinless. And he couldn't live in a stained, sinful vessel. But God sent Jesus to live a perfect life. John the Baptist said, there's the Lamb of God who takes the way of the sin of the world. He was referring, he was referring to their sacrificial system because the payment for sin was death. And something had to die to pay for sin. And God set up this sacrificial system where a lamb could sit in, sit in for you or for your family. And Jesus came as the Lamb of God. He lived a truly perfect, sinless life. And then he was crucified on a criminal's cross to pay for the sin of the entire world. So that your sin could be washed away, so that you could be forgiven and in the eyes of God be made sinless. So that the Spirit of God, the presence of God could come and live inside of you. Jesus made that possible. And the whole world changed when Jesus came on the scene. See, you're the Ark of the Covenant. 
See, miracles will follow your life because God's presence, the presence of the one who created the universe, lives inside of you. And when you step into the waters, the waters part. When you step into the waters of baptism, it's like stepping into the Jordan. You know, there's, it's not a coincidence that Jesus was baptized in this very river right near this very place where they crossed. It's no coincidence. But when Jesus stepped into the Jordan, something very different happened. The Spirit of God came down and the world began to change and he ushered in the age of the Spirit where God's Spirit lives in our hearts and where we can have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father. And today, God lives in each believer. And today, Jesus commands us, just like God commanded Moses or Joshua all those years ago, to step into, to have this priest step into the water. Today, he commands us, when we become a follower of his, he commands us to step into the Jordan. He commands us to step into the waters of baptism. And baptism symbolizes the washing away of our sins. And baptism symbolizes being joined with Jesus. And baptism symbolizes the infilling of the Holy Spirit into our lives. And baptism is a step of obedience, just like stepping into the Jordan River was a step of obedience for those priests who I'm sure were peeing their pants at the time. Well, Jesus commands his followers to step into the waters of baptism. You know, many people I talk to about baptism are afraid. They're afraid to get baptized because they just want their relationship to God, with God to be kind of a private thing between them and God. But Jesus didn't give us that option. He says, when you choose to follow me, when I come into your heart, your next step, his commandment is to be baptized as a public statement that you're with him. You need to step into the water. I, I talked to some people and they've been in church so long and they just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and now they're like, well, I put it off so long, if I do it, it'll be embarrassing. Jesus is calling you to step into the water. Some people don't want to get wet in front of everybody because they're not going to look, I'm not going to look my best. Jesus says, step into the Jordan. Some people are afraid of what it means. You know, I'm, I, it's one thing for me to tell God I'm all in with him. It's another thing for me to make that declaration before an entire group of people. And Jesus says, look, you got to step into the water. If you want to see the miracle, you got to take the step first. Guys, I know so many people who are stuck spiritually because they have failed to obey this command. And they're wandering in the desert. And Jesus is inviting them. He's saying, in fact, he's saying to you today, step in to the river, okay? Not the Ohio River, the Jordan River. And we use tubs of water that are clean and sanitary and all that. But get baptized. You know, as you're watching this online today, God is calling many of you to get baptized, to step into the water. And I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to do that as soon as you possibly can. And so here's what I want you to do. Text the word CONNECT to the number 304-242-0463. That's CONNECT to 304-242-0463. And you're going to get a, a link back in your text. Click on that link and you can open up uh, a registration for baptism. 
and register to get baptized. And the next time we do baptism, we will baptize you. Don't put this off any longer. For some of us, your next step is simply to place your faith in Jesus, to choose to become his follower today, giving him your life, asking for his forgiveness that he paid for on the cross and inviting him to live in your heart. And if you've never done that before, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. And just right where you're sitting, you can close your eyes and just say something along these lines. Just repeat this prayer in your heart. Just say, say, Jesus, I believe you came after us all those 2,000 years ago. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I place my faith in you today. Would you wash away my sins? Would you forgive my sins and mistakes and my guilt? And would you give me a brand new start? Would you come and live in my heart? Would you lead my life? And would you help me live a life following you? In your name, amen. Amen. Well, if you prayed that with me, congratulations. This is the best day of your life. You got quite an adventure ahead. And I want to encourage you again to get baptized because that is your next step. And so, again, you can text CONNECT to 304-242-0463 and sign up to get baptized. Do that if you just prayed with me. And also let us know that you just began a relationship with Jesus because we have some resources we want to get in your hands to help you get started in that relationship. Well, let me pray a blessing over us. And we will be back together next week for a great celebration. Lord Jesus, would you come? Would you fill us with your spirit? And would you give us the courage to step into the waters, Lord, whatever that next step is. And as we do, Lord, would you move in our lives? Would you build our faith? And would you do for us what we can't do for ourselves? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us here at The Vineyard. It's our greatest desire to see you find and follow God, and we hope that this podcast has helped you do just that. For more video messages and content, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. Again, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.